From KGW News, this is Straight Talk with Laurel Porter. Hello and welcome to Straight Talk. I'm Laurel Porter. Students at Portland State University head back to class on Tuesday, September 26. And there will be a new leader at the helm of Portland's Public Research University located right in the heart of a city. PSU's Board of Trustees voted unanimously to name Dr. Ann Cudd as the university's 11th president. She takes over from former president Stephen Percy, who retired. Dr. Cudd is only the second woman to serve as PSU's president in its 76 year history. Here's a little bit about President Cudd. Dr. Cudd relocated to Portland from Western Pennsylvania, where she served as provost and senior vice chancellor at the University of Pittsburgh since 2018. Prior to that, she served at another urban university as Boston University's Dean of the College and Graduate School of Arts and Sciences. She holds three advanced degrees from the University of Pittsburgh, including a doctor of philosophy and master's degrees in philosophy and economics. She also holds a bachelor's degree in math and philosophy from Swarthmore College, and she's held faculty positions at the University of Kansas, Occidental College, as well as Boston U and Pitt. Here to share her vision for PSU and how it connects with reviving the city of Portland and what she sees as the challenges and opportunities ahead, welcome to my guest, the new president of Portland State University, Dr. Ann Cudd. Welcome to Straight Talk. Thank you, Laurel. It's delightful to be here with you today. And it's a pleasure and honor to have you here as well. You, you grew up in Ohio. I you did. served at colleges and universities on the East Coast. Mm -hmm. Why the move to the West to lead Portland State University? Yeah, you know, um, I have always wanted to live in the Pacific Northwest and Portland has always been sort of a beacon for me. And we've never had the chance to come out here uh, to, to to relocate to Portland, but when we got the, when when I saw the opportunity to serve as president at Portland State University, I immediately or responded to that advertisement because I thought that it's finally my chance to to live in the Pacific Northwest. Um, PSU is also such a great place for student mo social mobility and for access and affordability. It was really a, a beacon for me. I know access is really important to you. You've done a lot of research on it. In your research and experience, how does Portland State compare to other universities and colleges around the country when it comes to access? Yeah, well, Portland State is really uh, serving so many students um, from different communities, minoritized communities and low-income communities. Uh, it is really an accessible university. It's uh, the kind of university that prides itself on who it includes, not on who it excludes. So it is the kind of university that I'm really proud to serve. We have some, some numbers from Portland State University by the numbers on student diversity, and we'll put those up on the screen. Here's what they, they look like. Can you tell us what stands out to you from, from these numbers? Yeah, so, I mean, we are very rapidly becoming a majority-minority institution. Uh, we are almost there yet, but when it, if you look at the undergraduate population, it is, in fact, the last year's class was 58% BIPOC. So we are becoming more and more diverse and really looking more like America as a whole. So, but it, it, we have uh, just received um, the uh, the status of um, uh, what's called Anapizi, which is the 
Asian American, Native American, Pacific Islander serving institution. And uh, so we are considered to be especially diverse in that area, and we're an emerging, emerging Hispanic institution as well. We also have at PSU a lot of first-generation students, don't that's we? Tell right. me about that. Yeah, that's right. First-generation students, of course, are students who, who are the first in their family to, uh, to go to college or to, to, to graduate with a, with a degree from college. And we have almost 50% first-generation students, so really we're opening doors of opportunity to families and communities that uh, have not previously had the opportunity to engage in higher education. And a lot of non-traditional students, there are a lot of students that are parents, right, that have children. That's right. It's, it, it is a very diverse campus. We um, are really all about lifelong learning. People can access uh, great educational opportunities at Portland State at different points in their lives. And one of those groups is, you know, parent, student parents. As I'm sure you've seen, Portland State and the city are really intertwined. Portland State is the largest landowner in the city of Portland downtown. It's really hard to see where PSU ends and the city begins and vice versa. How do you see PSU's role in, in sort of a revival uh, of downtown Portland? Right, I think as you say, we're such a large part of the downtown area that we have to be part of the solution going forward. We are dependent on Portland being a vibrant place to attract our, our students and uh, to, to, to make families feel like their students can be safe uh, on our campus. So that is so important to us. Um, and, and on the other side, uh, you know, we are such an important employer um, and provide a talent pipeline uh, for the city of Portland and for the region. Uh, so I think we play a really important uh, role in the revitalization of Portland and in the city itself. Well, Governor Kotek has started this Central City Core Committee where they're really focused on the renaissance of Portland. You're on mm -hmm. a, one of those committees. In fact, we were talking on Thursday, you're going to be going to a meeting. Do you feel optimistic that this committee is going to be able to make a difference? Well, this committee has only started to, to meet, but we're on a very short timeline. And Governor Kotek really emphasized with us in our first meeting that we need to act. This is not just about studying the problem, but it's about finding real solutions. So I think with the inspiration of, of her and with the many great leaders from, the, from uh, downtown Portland and, and, and from around the city, I think we can make some real uh, changes uh, that will make a lasting difference in Portland. As president of PSU, I'm sure you're aware of the perception problem that Portland has right now. How has that impacted PSU? Well, I think, uh, of course, you know, families are looking at whether Portland uh, is a safe place for their student to, to go to school. Um, students themselves are, are wondering, is this a, a place where I can be safe? But really, I, I feel like in many ways it's been kind of overstated in the national press. Um, certainly the South Park blocks uh, where I uh, frequently am walking, I walk to and from campus. Uh, I feel very safe, and uh, and I think that if people come and experience it, they will find that, that they'll feel safe as well. As a relative newcomer, what, what's your perception of Portland? Yeah, I, it is such a beautiful city. Um, the, the greenery, um, of course, I've been here for the last two months when it's just been perfect.
weather. And it has been. I just am glorious. told that sometimes it rains. <laughs> I think you're going to find that so. out next week. <laughs> yeah, I think so. But uh, no, it's been beautiful, uh, and I've I've gone to to some events, some some games, and some uh, other events. I've, uh, I've been to the Portland Art Museum. These are just such great attractions. Um, of course, the Columbia River Gorge is just right there, and I'm looking forward to enjoying the coast as well as Mount Hood very soon. Let's talk about some of the challenges for PSU, and one of them is declining enrollment. Mm -hmm. PSU and the city of Portland, too, need to see those numbers go back up. Let's look at the trend over the last few years. And in 2018, before the pandemic, enrollment was over 27,000. That continued to drop through the pandemic, and last year was just over 22,000. And do you know where it's going to be this academic year yet? Well, numbers aren't um, aren't final yet, and you know students are still literally still enrolling, and you know so there's a, a, a 20 day census that that is when we we call those the official numbers. So we don't know exactly, but it looks like we'll begin to sort of stabilize, maybe be down just a little bit uh, overall. But um, our master's degree programs are are on the on the rise, so that's one good place. Uh, our our, also, our first-year student is also up a little bit from last year. Um, our transfer student pipeline is still uh, not as strong, and that really relates to the problems that the community colleges now, have had. Let's talk about that. You know, why the decline and why the decline at community colleges? Right. I think that's uh, there is a national conversation going on right now about this decline, and it's really a national problem in terms of uh, declining numbers of students who want to go to college um, since the pandemic, and, uh, and it, it's really a fairly recent phenomenon, so I think that we will be able to turn that around. But um, there is a declining uh, public confidence in, in higher education. Um, student debt has, plays a role in that. Uh, the perceived return on investment of, of college is under fire. But, that said, it is still the case that over a lifetime, a college degree holder is on average going to make a million dollars more than someone who does not um, hold a, a bachelor's degree. And so that's, that's still uh, a good reason to invest in a college education. And to your point about the national trend at community colleges, according to the National Student Clearinghouse Research Center, enrollment at community colleges has dropped 40% since 2010. Is there anything you can do as a PSU president to help reverse that trend locally? Yeah, so I think I think we can do things. We we, we are partnering with uh, community college, and I am personally trying to meet with the presidents and talk with how we can deepen and enhance those partnerships. So, for example, one thing that we might be able to do is to create stronger pathways so that a student can see exactly how their beginning at community college can lead to a four-year degree and that you know real wage benefit over a lifetime that they can get from that. Um, so looking forward to, uh, to, to deepening those partnerships. And I believe that um, you know we have a higher education coordinating committee in, in uh, commission in, in the state of Oregon that will help us to um, to look at how we can strengthen those pathways. And so I'm looking forward to rolling up my sleeves and, and working with the community college presidents to, to make that happen. You mentioned the pandemic. How much of an impact did COVID and the pandemic have on PSU? 
Yeah, it, it had a very significant effect. Um, it, of course, you know, and COVID is not gone, but I do believe that uh, at this point we are able to, you know, just use common sense measures and be back in person in order um, to carry on uh, as we did before uh, the pandemic. But the pandemic definitely uh, caused us to, um, to, to move, to pivot to online, to pivot to remote work, to pivot to remote classes. And that was not, um, not great for many of our students. And you, you have a goal of trying to have a certain percentage of in-person mm -hmm. classes now, right? That's right. Yeah, that's right. We, we have, you know, as of last year, we were a little under 60% of our classes were in person. And I hope that this year we're going to get more closer to 80% of those, those classes in person. It is still great for us to provide some online opportunities. And, um, and that is a national trend as well, that, that there are many online opportunities. But what we want to do is, uh, is provide those online opportunities where they make a lot of sense for student learning and for uh, the flexibility for, for adult learners especially. With declining enrollment, how much has that affected the budget? Do you have a budget deficit you're dealing with? Yeah, absolutely we do. I mean, if, if students aren't paying tuition, that is our major source of revenue. Of course, the state also supports us considerably, but uh, tuition is very important. So as we have lost enrollments, we have um, our budget has declined. And yes, we are facing a deficit that we're addressing. Well, it'll be a big challenge for you as president. Let's put up the, the tuition numbers right now, what tuition is like. Mm -hmm. um, with the budget deficit, do you foresee that you're going to have to raise tuition? Well, we will be looking at tuition as, as we go forward. Uh, I think it's always a conversation with um, with state lawmakers as well as to, to how much we're going to get um, state support and, and where we have to actually, uh, you know, pass that cost on to students. But I will say that we have a tuition-free degree program for, uh, for Pell-eligible students. Um, tell us about that because that mirrors something you implemented at the University of Pittsburgh. Yeah, that's So tell right. us about your program at PSU and how it sets it apart. Right. So um, the program at, at PSU um, is a guarantee free tuition for students who are in uh, Pell eligible. Um, and basically we can do that because uh, those students get a Pell grant and on top of that they get an Oregon Opportunity Grant. Um, at the University of Pittsburgh, the way that we did it was we used institutional funds to match dollar for dollar the Pell grant. Um, but Pittsburgh had such a high tuition rate that, um, that those doubling Pell did not um, completely get to the tuition level. So here at PSU, we're doing a better job of lowering the cost of tuition for, uh, for our students. And tuition at PSU is still less than University of Oregon, Oregon State, right? That's right. H how does it compare, do you know? I, I don't know what their tuition rates are exactly, so no, a little bit, a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you about engaging with the community because PSU's motto is "Knowledge serve the city." How do you see that mission helping Portland solve some of its greatest challenges, like achieving climate goals, um, addressing homelessness? Well, you know that that mission is really part of what what brought me here to to Portland uh, State because. Uh, I, I see Portland as such a vibrant city and yet needing um, a great academic institution. So we do it in a number of ways. You know, um, our, our 
our, our faculty's research really addresses the real challenges of, uh, of Portland and of the region. So, you know, smart grid technology, uh, you know, uh, other, uh, you know, chip technology, um, and also the social issues that you talk about, such as uh, houselessness. So we have a, a homelessness action collaboratory that works specifically on research on, on homelessness. Um, so that will be an important source of information and, and, and research that we will uh, draw on to des design actions that are designed to, uh, to help address the problems. You've heard a lot of controversy and discussion over all these unspent tax dollars mm -hmm. that the county has to address homelessness and how it should be spent, what strategies mm -hmm. should be used. Do you see PSU possibly having a role in those discussions? Oh, absolutely, yes. And we have so many of our uh, faculty who are engaged in with the city already uh, in discussions about that. Uh, I'm sure there are many competing ideas, and I hope that these ideas turn into action very soon. Let's talk about, you talked about parents and students wanting to feel safe on campus as well as mm -hmm. faculty. And so let's talk about making them feel safe. And earlier this year, PSU campus police officers started carrying guns again mm -hmm. in response to what officials said were increased incidents of weapons appearing on campus. That decision came from retired PSU President Stephen Percy before you. There are nine sworn officers. So let's recap sort of this mm -hmm. controversy at PSU over the years. On July 28, 2018, campus police shot and killed Jason Washington, a black man who was trying to break up a fight outside a bar near campus. That led to protests on campus, and PSU created some unarmed positions at that time. Then after the murder of George Floyd in 2020, PSU eventually shifted to unarmed campus patrols, but now armed police are back on campus. Do you support that move? So I think that that's a great recap of the history of that tragic event and the ways in which it has uh, influenced how we look at campus safety. Um, our chief of police, Willie Halliburton, who had a 30-year career with the Portland police, is really a very thoughtful and dedicated um, you know, public servant and has really de designed um, the way that we do policing in a way that's, that, that, that brings the, the least amount of force necessary. But when we found that there were many uh, uh, armed individuals on campus, um, we felt that it was imperative not to have our police officers be unarmed. Um, so I was not part of the decision making, of course, at that time, um, but I, I, I do understand the reasons that, that we had had to rearm our police. We're looking forward to, to a time when we can go back to uh, unarmed police uh, force. Um, but I don't know when that will be. So maybe reevaluate at a later time. Absolutely, yes. We have a committee on um, campus security that is constantly overseeing our police officers as well, and we're in constant communication with them. Dr. Cut, it's time for us to take a break, but coming up, we're going to continue our conversation with PSU's president, uh, Ann Cudd, and I want to ask you a question. I have a, a quiz for you. Which of these do you think is true? That President Cudd has run 15 to 20 marathons, or she was a competitive horseback rider, or competed in four different collegiate sports, or maybe this is true. Every summer, she climbs a 14,000-foot mountain. We'll answer that question right after the break, plus more. We're back in two minutes.
Welcome back to Straight Talk. I'm Laurel Porter and welcome once again to our guest, PSU's new president, Dr. Ann Cudd. Thanks again for being here. Well, thank you for having me. Well, let's start by answering the quiz that I, I asked at the beginning. Did Dr. Cudd compete in horseback riding? Did she run 15 to 20 marathons? Did she compete in four intercollegiate sports? Or did she climb or does she climb 14,000 foot mountains, 18 14ers, which is true? All of the above. A trick question. <laughs> all of the above. Yes, Letter D. Right. It's just amazing that you've done all those things. So all the marathons you've done, what do you have a plan to run the Portland Marathon? I think I'll be sticking to the half marathons uh, at this point. I don't really have enough time to, to train and qualify at this point. A lot of training, but there are some good half marathons in the Portland Marathon. I'm looking for half, half, I think, coming yes. up pretty quick, October 1st, yeah. I think. How about Hood to Coast? Would you consider having Ooh, a team? I would love to have a team. I Unfortunately, I had to uh, be at a board meeting this, this past year, but one of our board members actually ran in that. So I'd be excited to, to be a, on a team. You would, you would love it. And it's not, as you've probably heard, necessarily just about the running. Right, <laughs> Sleep right. deprivation and the camaraderie and all the, the costumes. It's just a lot of fun. Okay, 14ers, mm -hmm. 14,000 foot mountains. You've climbed right. 18 most recently. Mount Princeton in Colorado. What's next? That's right. Oh, I think maybe Mount Ontario, which is right next to Mount Princeton, I'll do next summer. Um, but there are a couple of others in the so-called collegiate peaks, so Princeton, Oxford, Harvard. Uh, there are a number of mountains named after Yale. I've done Yale as well, named after colleges. Well, now there, we don't have those high mountains in Oregon, but Mount Hood's pretty high. And have you ever thought about climbing Mount Hood? Absolutely. In fact, um, uh, I. One of our deans was telling me that he has plans to do it next next spring, and I said, well, could I tag along? And so I think we're going to have a, a climbing party. Well, that'll be exciting. We'll, we'll want to come along or at least get a, a few pictures. Yeah. So sports are really big for you, and the, mm -hmm. the good sports town here. What are you it, looking forward it to? Is. Oh, I can't wait to. I haven't yet taken in a Thorns or a Timbers game, but I can't wait to do that. Um, I The other night, I was actually having dinner on, on our front porch with my husband and we were hearing all these cheers and I said, wait, what's going on? It was the Thorns game and they were winning two to nothing. So that was that was fun. We can hear it too at the at the stadium. It's just amazing the yeah. the the excitement that you can hear coming from Providence Stadium. Um, and the athletics at Portland State, too. You have a lot of great teams. Are sure. you looking forward to seeing some of those teams play? Yes, I've been watching the, the volleyball team. The volleyball team is really exciting. I am um, going to the football game this weekend. Um, I hope the rain holds off so that we can have a fun game uh, without too much rain. But uh, all of the sports, I, I intend to get to all of them. I'm, I'm looking forward to also watching cross country because that's that was a favorite sport for me and for um, for my family as well. As I mentioned at the top of the show, you're only the second woman president at PSU in more than three quarters of a century. What does that mean to you? Well, it means a lot, and uh, it especially means a lot, um, you know, knowing Judith Romaley, who was um, the first president. Um, she was actually my first provost at the University of Kansas, so I got what to a know her. Yes, it, I got to know her before she even came to Portland State. Um, but anyway, it's, it means a lot to me. I, I think that women's leadership is important and um, it's, it's important for us to make that kind of statement. We only have about a, a minute and a half left, but I did want to ask you about some of your research on feminism. You founded the theory of analytical feminism. What is that? 
Well, it's really more of a methodology, and it's the methodology of applying analytic philosophy techniques to uh, feminist questions. So, for example, being very uh, precise in definition and using uh, various kinds of social scientific data anal analysis to make your point, or game theoretic, in my case, uh, game theoretic analysis to make, uh, make points. And what is feminist capitalism? Yeah, so I, I, I wrote a book with a colleague about, um, about capitalism, and it was called Capitalism For and Against, and I presented the, the, the feminist case for capitalism while she presented the feminist case for socialism and against capitalism. And basically, my point is that through the development of capitalism, um, women's lives have become much better. We have longer lives. We see our children grow up and our grandchildren grow up. We, uh, we don't work, uh, you know, I have this picture of my grandmother washing clothes at the turn of the last century, and I know that that was a task that people were consumed with, for women specifically were consumed with. So I just think that capitalism has created the kind of innovative and uh, opportunities for women to, to do um, less labor, less physical labor, and, and to be able to, um, to engage in public affairs. President Ann Cunn, have to stop you there. Thank you for joining us here on Straight Talk, and thank you for watching. Join us next week for Straight Talk. We hope you have a great week.